I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Thank you. 
hear God's word today. We've been in a sermon series lately called Going Retro, uh, and we are looking at those Old Testament books that have either been misused or misframed or, or really just nobody knows really what they mean or what they're about. And so today we find ourselves in the book of Proverbs, and it's a long string of numbers in your bulletin, I notice. <laughs> Wisdom cries out in the street, and the square she raises her voice. At the busiest corner she cries out, at the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your straight your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who laid hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. My children, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be... Do not be afraid of sudden panic or of the storm that strikes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Four things on earth are small, yet they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people without strength, yet they provide their food in the summer. The badgers are a people without power, yet they make their homes in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard can be grasped in the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. <clears throat> so about seven or seven to eight years ago now, there um, was this popular book that came out. Um, you, if you were, well, if you were in the church, you may know it. If you are, we're out of the church, you still may know it. Um, so there is this Christian writer and blogger, her name is Rachel Held Evans, and um, she's quirky and sarcastic, and she writes this Oprah book club winning paperback entitled A Year of Biblical Womanhood. Whether or not you've been in the church, you might have heard it because it was on talk shows, on Oprah, you know, any book worth reading, um, Oprah read first. <laughs> and in this book, which is really more of a journal or a compilation of, of blog entries, more like, um, Rachel describes herself as a recovering conservative evangelical. And um, she becomes intrigued by this resurgence she sees in her life among her friends of abandoning their careers to assume traditional gender roles at home. And so she decides to set out on this experiment, a year of biblical womanhood, she calls it, where she would vow to take all of the Bible's instructions regarding women seriously for a year. 
following as close as she could to our context, to the text. She adopts the laws and the values of the Old Testament as it refers to women, and she grows her hair long, and she makes clothes for herself, and she obeys and honors her husband, and she rises before dawn and abstains from gossip and um, remains completely silent in church and even even has a bit of time where she's camping out in her front yard um, during certain times of the month. And um, this account of her biblical year of, of womanhood, which the, the, the subtitle of the book um, kind of reads, how a liberated woman found herself sitting on her roof, covering her head and calling her husband master. Um, she eventually finds herself like us in the book of Proverbs. So that's like chapter five in here. Book of Proverbs. And Rachel says, quote, In the evangelical Christian subculture, there are three people that a young preteen girl before puberty knows, must know before puberty. One, Jesus. Two, Ronald Reagan. And three, the Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> Honestly, while, while we didn't read it this morning, um, we can't talk about Proverbs without first uh, pinching pitching our tent for just a second in chapter 31. And there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you wander into any Christian women's conference, not the F-words conference, by the way, but any other, <laughs> uh, you will hear somewhere around where the coffee is, people whispering about the Proverbs 31 woman. If you, if you walk into any Christian bookstore, you'll find an entire section devoted um, to this woman, extolling her virtues and making... Um, her virtues applicable for modern-day women and wives. Uh, if you visit churches in the area, you are bound to find a P31 Bible study, if you're interested, if you'd like that's something that you've been wanting. Um, as Mother Mary is to Catholicism, this Proverbs 31 woman is to evangelicals, venerated and idealized and, and glorified to the level of almost semi-goddess. So Proverbs 31 reads... She gets up while it's still dark, and so Rachel talks about how she woke every morning before dawn, and she girds herself in strength and, and makes her arms strong, and so Rachel insists um, on doing her bicep exercises every day. Her, it says her lamp does not go out at night, and so you would find Rachel vacuuming and balancing the budget way into past 10 o'clock at night. Um, she does him good and not evil. Her husband has full confidence in her, and so every day she has to find a thing that she's going to do nice for her husband so that he has all the confidence in her. Um, she does not eat the bread of idleness, it says. Uh, so for a year, she stayed away from Facebook and TV and Netflix. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So she knit a red scarf for her husband. <laughs> she is like merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. So she made Martha Stewart's like chicken curry recipe. And, and then my, my personal favorite, this is my favorite. Um, her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes, where he takes his seat <laughs> among the elders of the land. And so Rachel makes a sign that praises Dan and stands at her own version of the city gate. 
For a year, Rachel aimed um, to live into the list that was summed up to describe what, I guess, depending on the translation, the excellent wife, a virtuous woman, um, the, a noble woman, a woman of, of noble character, a, a valiant wife. There are so many different translations for this. And it's silly, and it's in, in, incredibly like specific, right? It's very specific. But 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and this final chapter is what the book is known for. Well, what else is in Proverbs then? <laughs> so today we're in Proverbs and we're going to, to linger not on chapter 31. We're going to get to the root of what Proverbs is about. So if, if Leviticus is like sitting down for coffee with a fire and brimstone preacher, the whole of Proverbs is like sitting down for coffee with a, a fortune cookie or a bag of fortune cookies or Confucius, some people say, reading... Reading completely through the book of Proverbs would be like eating a gigantic pizza in one sitting or, you know, an entire tray of, of, ch- of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, chicken, those, yeah, the nuggets in one sitting. It's just incredibly too much to digest in one sitting. You can't consume it all. Proverbs is a book that, that tries to imagine every single situation that would ever occur in your life and then tell you exactly how you are to operate, how you are to, to, to live through that. I've also heard it said that the book of Proverbs is like going on a long road trip with with your mother. Um, Just lots, lots of advice, so much advice, unwanted advice. And, And all of that advice that comes out of the book of Proverbs is personified in a woman. It's called Lady Wisdom. In fact, if we turn to Proverbs 8, the, the, the title across, the, the only thing Alyssa read apparently, but the title across the top um, says Wisdom Autobiography. So Proverbs is the place where we hear the autobiography of Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom stands out on the street, it says, and she calls out her advice, whether you want it or not, to whoever happens to be strolling by. In this autobiography, we learn that Lady Wisdom has been dancing with God since the very beginning. In Proverbs, she's reminding human beings that when we listen to her instruction, when we dance with her, we'll find life or we'll be set free. Lady Wisdom says the book of Proverbs is teaching us to desire the things of God. She teaches us to desire the things of God so that slowly over time we might become more like God. When I read this book, um, when I read about Lady Wisdom, and, and, and what, what she calls her autobiography, I, I nod my head and, and I think on paper, yeah, this is great. Um, but, but there are days, there are days when it seems next to impossible to desire the things of God. Most days it seems that our desires are so powerful that, that we're, they're twisted around us almost. And, and our desires are like chains that are keeping us from breaking free to want the things that God wants and, and to do the things that, that God wants us to do. And, and so um, I have a confession. On Wednesdays, I desire to work in solitude. Not complete solitude, but I desire to find a comfy seat at my favorite coffee shop where I can put my earbuds in and I can begin piecing together for the first time that week my sermon for Sunday. A couple of Wednesdays ago, it was no different. I desired a a cup of Pete's honeysuckle green tea and a few hours of uninterrupted sermon prep while, you know, people are still milling about me, but I don't owe them anything. (laughs) Pete's was packed that day, and so I took a seat in this, like, loungy um, leather chair that's right by the order-up counter, and um, I smiled at the barista, and then, then I got to work, and 
And about 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, this man busts in through the side door. If y'all have been to Pete's, you know the side door I'm saying, so hopefully you have this in your head. This man busts in the side door, um, and he's practically standing on top of me now. And he said, you did not put my lid on my coffee cup correctly, and now it's all over my car, and it's all over me, and it's all over my car. And the veins are exploding out of his forehead, and he's screaming at the workers behind the counter, and do you not understand the mess you have made? Of course you don't. Of course you don't even have the level of intelligence to understand the mess you have made. And so these baristas, they're, they're running about, grabbing a towel, and, and there's, one of them looks like they're about to walk out into the parking lot and clean up his car for him. And, and the manager's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm going to fix this, I'll give you a gift card. Um, he's just so mad. And so he's like storming out to his car again, and then he's storming back into the store, and then out to his car again, and then he's doing this little circle, he's doing this little circle, this steaming, like just mad circle. And, and those girls are... are <laughs> The girls are behind the counter desiring to make him happy, to, to, to make him go away. And the manager is, is desiring to de-escalate the scene that has now, like, it's caused a scene in Pete. And, and the man, he's desiring to wreak havoc and to make everyone else as miserable as he is. And, and I sat there hiding behind my laptop screen. I, I might have shot a glance or two at the manager, but mostly I desired... I just, I desired for this whole scenario to be over as fast as possible. I, I, de- I desired to go back to my honeysuckle tea. I desired for my peace and quiet. I had a lot more to write in my sermon. I had some meetings later on in the week. It wasn't adding up. There, there were moments when, when he was practically straddling over my feet and he's screaming at these women and I desired to do just a little swipe and take him down. I could have. I desired for the manager to, to stop appeasing this man. Just tell him you're unruly and if you don't calm down to get out of our store now. I, I desired to move to another table where I didn't have to deal with this, be near this. Uh, I desired to just go to Wegmans instead and work. And I don't remember, though, desiring better for those baristas. And I don't remember desiring peace for that obviously anxious man. And I don't remember desiring compassion and empathy. I just remember desiring it for it to be over. And, and maybe for one of those girls to muster up the courage to spit in his drink the second time. And, and there were lots of desires being thrown around in that space. And I thought about Proverbs. And I thought about how we desire certain things and how those desires affect our minds and, and our, our actions and our bodies. That seemingly unassuming afternoon, my desires made me feel like all twisted up as though I had been wrapped in, in, in my own chains of grumpiness and selfishness and judgment and isolation. And, and the chasm between my desires and God's desires seemed very wide. And, and I venture a guess that if you pause for a moment, you can think of a similar situation. Maybe it even happened this morning on your way here. <laughs> possibly, um, sometime in the week um, when, when you could feel in your body that the desires that were driving you, the desires that were driving your thinking or your actions, that those desires were binding you up rather than setting you free. And when we reflect on, on, on these situations, we can almost imagine Lady Wisdom stopping mid-dance with God to look at us with pity and say, listen to me, happy are those who keep my ways, who 
who find me and then find life because they've found me. One of my Old Testament professors, Ellen Davis, wrote that Lady Wisdom will have gotten through to us finally when we desire with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength only the things that God also desires for us. When nothing else, nothing else compels us or even catches our wondering eye, she says that, that we'll know that we desire the things of God when our greed is gone, our compassion is pure, our love is constant, and when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. What are you doing on those things? Anybody hitting all four? Have you found success in those areas? I... I read that list and I have to say it sounds insane to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a day or two, day or two when my greed is gone. And I have maybe 60 minutes when I hunger and thirst for righteousness <laughs> in a day. And, and, then, and then those old desires start creeping back in and they capture my heart and mind again. Seems like a space, that, that, that chasm between my desires and God's desires is too large, too vast to even hurdle. The good news, though, um, in Proverbs is that lady wisdom doesn't just leave us with that chasm. If we look closely, if we lean in, we, we find that she gives us all the tools we need to navigate that chasm. Lady Wisdom talks to us about the habits of the heart, the practices of the heart. She says we, these practices of the heart are what the Old Testament stories and the poems and those one-liner proverb things, quotables, that's what they all point towards, those habits, those practices that help us navigate away from our desires and towards God's desires. Those holy habits of the heart are like a bridge, she says, walking us towards the things of God. And they're not earth-shattering. They're, they're not, um, I mean, they're nothing special. Like, it's, it's community. It's weekly worship. It's attending to the habits that, that we learn in this place week after week after week. And, and we, you know that we don't worship because, um, you know, we don't worship to put a show on for God. And we don't actually even worship to please God. We, we gather here because we need to practice what we are to do out there. <laughs> we, we worship because the things we do in community here retrain our desires and, and lead us to where God would have us be. We, we retrain our desire to stay at home and live an isolated life when we get up out of bed and come to church, right? We retrain our desire to listen only to ourselves, to only care about our desires when we listen in to, for God to, when we're here. We retrain our desire to hoard, to think that we'll never have enough by, by showing up here and giving of our gifts. We, we retrain our desire to, to, to only eat with, only know, only talk to, think the same as do, but we like when we come to this table and eat with those who we don't like. This is the practice ground. This place right here, it's the practice ground. It's where we create habits here week after week after week. And after we practice here week after week after week, our muscle memory begins to take hold. We have practiced these holy habits of, of gathering and listening and responding and giving thanks and being sent forth so that our bodies eventually know them. Know them. So this is why the end of our scripture today concluded with Proverbs 30. Did you hear that? It's very strange, very Proverbs-esque. Four things are among the smallest on the earth, but they are among the wisest. Consider the ants. They aren't strong, but 
They store away their food all summer long. Consider the badgers, consider the locusts, consider the lizards, consider the ants, the writer of Proverbs says. Ants, both in collection and industry, are are a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) These little creatures, they like dominate the landscape. Scientists say that if you put all the ants on one side of a scale and you put all the like 7 billion humans on another side of the scale, we would about even out craziness. Ants daily move more dirt on the face of the earth than all of the construction workers combined. They build colonies and labyrinths of intricacy and detail that rival anything we have ever seen. Collectively, ants are a force to be reckoned with. Consider the ants. And yet also, also you know that in isolation, ants are nothing. Completely miss one, you can step right over one, you can step right on one. Ants by themselves are nothing. They They become nothing in isolation. An ant cut off from the colony lives one-tenth of its expected life. You know their fabled strength, too? You know know how strong these guys are? An ant marching in step with others can carry 50 times its body weight. Take an ant outside of its colony, and it's been known to not carry any more than half its body weight. Consider the ants. Collectively, ants are a force of nature moving the landscape around us. And so when Israel tries to listen in to Lady Wisdom for some advice on how to desire the things of God, the writer of Proverbs says, consider the ant. That day at Pete's, um, there was this moment when, when I think, just maybe, just possibly maybe, maybe I desired what God desired. I got up about 13 minutes, thir- 13 minutes, that's very specific. I got up about 30 minutes after, um, after that man had left and and everything had calmed down, and I went to the counter, and I ordered my second cup of honeysuckle green tea. And I watched as the barista checked three to four times to make sure that my lid was on my cup securely. And as I watched, I gave thanks. I gave thanks for her, and I gave thanks for her resilience. And, and as she handed me the cup of coffee, I gave thanks for warm tea with milk and honey. And, and as I sat back down, I gave thanks for common space, for community, for for realtors and entrepreneurs and writers and students and other pastors all sharing the same space and trusting one another that we'll be good neighbor each other. And as I, I dug back into writing my sermon, I gave thanks for this church, for this colony of ants, this beautiful colony of ants that, that would welcome my confession and my imperfection as I sought alongside you to try to desire the things of God. And, and, and I was grateful grateful for this beautiful gift of life that y'all have given me. And in that moment, the chains of my desires, I, I felt them break down a little bit. And I felt God's desires take hold. And I, I can imagine that God and, and Lady Wisdom were celebrating in that moment, dancing in the streets even, because even if I failed on either side of that one second moment of gratefulness, because of here, because of this colony of ants, it was okay. And maybe next time, if I keep practicing here the habits and practices of the heart with you all, I might, I might get to two seconds of gratefulness, and I might get to three seconds of gratefulness, and maybe I might eventually be able to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness more than minutes. And maybe eventually uh, the whole, my whole life and your whole life might be an offering of thanksgiving to God. Would you pray with me? Lady Wisdom, who we know deeply and personally as the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
thank you for tuning our hearts and our desires towards you. Thank you for being patient with us when we only seem to tune in to what you want for a second or 60 minutes and are taken again by, by all the things that, that run us and ruin us and distract us. God, forgive us for, for the ways we have abused your scripture again, for the ways we've used um, your lessons in Proverbs your guide to habits and practices of community and worship to to set aside a particular way of of being a woman, a particular set of values and morals, a a particular set of of, of normalism, normalcy. Forgive us, God, for for all the ways that we we turn against you with our hearts and our minds and our souls and lead us towards a place where we may be able to say that we free ourselves of greed, where our compassion is pure, where our love is constant, and where we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We join together in that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, knowing that daily, daily we have to retune our desires to you, God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. table